From the capital city, I'm Kevin Allen. The Juno Chamber of Commerce held their annual dinner on Saturday. The theme was the celebration of mining, all that glitters. Announced were the awardees of the Chamber's Awards, recognizing Juno residents for their contributions to the community. Citizens of the Year was awarded to Dick and Candy Barons. Past Chamber President Eric Forst presented the award. On top of all of this, they're two of the nicest and friendliest people you will ever meet. And they demonstrate every day their commitment to ensure that Juno continues to be the special place that it is for all of us. It is my deep honor to be able to present this award to two friends of mine, so please join me and give a huge round of applause for the 2022 Citizens of the Year, Dick and Candy Barons. I'll say this, if Mr. Chapai sees an upcoming opportunity right now, anything to say? <laughs> but something that I would like to say is that uh, I deeply honor to be recognized this way, and thank you all so very much. Receiving a Lifetime Achievement Award posthumously was the late Rosemary Hakevig who served on numerous boards and organizations locally, statewide, and internationally. Lorraine Durr presented the award. Rosemary's son, Bill Hakevig, accepted it on her behalf. Given the Lifetime Achievement Award was Jerry Harmon, a founding member of the Juno Gold Rush Days Commission, as well as on the board of the Treadwell Historic Preservation and Restoration Society. There's a whole table full of volunteers that have been helping put this together. This whole room has people sitting at the table doing that. I accept this award for all the volunteers in the city of Juneau. Thank you very much. Chamber President Wayne Jensen's term ended at the dinner. He was succeeded by John Blasco as Chamber President. Laura McDonald was announced as the Chamber President-elect. Chamber Executive Director Craig Dahl announced his stepping down. Taking up that role on November 1st will be the Chamber's Executive Assistant, Maggie McMillan. A fundraiser was held on Saturday to raise money for the Breast Cancer Detection Center of Alaska's mobile mammogram program. The fundraiser, dubbed Save the Tatas, was held by One Moose, with Woman 439 organizing along with Juno Moose Lodge 700. Myrna Gardner, a board member at One Moose, talked about the event. We had outcry auctions, which are fun because people become very competitive after a little while and bidding against each other. And then we had silent auctions that collected um, donations and prizes and dessert auctions. Gardner said it was the fifth annual event and the fifth annual of her own recovery. Gardner said how this event came to be. Women of the Moose, including myself, who were diagnosed with breast cancer at different stages. Stage I was a stage one and some women are stage four. And we support each other as we're going through it. But for myself, it was terrifying going through it. And then when I survived it. I went through 16 weeks of radiation and had surgery to remove the cancer. And when I survived, I felt like I needed to give back. She said how they wrapped up tonight. 
This is a party. This is, I tell people, this is the most fun you'll ever have saving a life because all the money we're raising is going to help women get mammograms and early detection saves lives. So I tell them, this is the most fun you're going to have. And we have, at the end of it, all the men go through what we call a line dance and they, they dance to songs like I'm too sexy for my shirt and the women dance to Madonna's Vogue and it's the last opportunity of the night and all the people there put dollars in their bras and it all goes to the Breast Cancer Foundation but big hurrah at the end it's a big finale. State historian and mug up project leader Katie Ringsmuth talked about the walkthrough storied salmon section of mug up in the Alaska State Museum Saturday. Mug up was the phrase cannery workers used for a much needed coffee break. And really this was part of a much bigger project called the NA Cannery Project, which was a, a collaborative community effort to document and preserve the history of a cannery in Alaska in South Naknek called the NA Cannery. She was asked why she chose that specific cannery for the exhibit. It's the cannery I grew up at and where my dad was the superintendent. What's also really interesting about canneries, several hundred uh, canneries here in Alaska. In many ways, you tell the story of one cannery, you really are telling the story of most canneries. While Ringsmuth has held other exhibits, it was her first time holding a cannery exhibit, and she talked about its challenges. What we were mostly interested is telling the stories of the multicultural communities who did the work. That was actually a really challenge, you know, how do you tell the story of a place that one, a lot of people haven't ever been to, has so many different layers of stories. The Chinese, to the Mexicans, to the Filipinos, to the women's stories, African-American stories, the, the corporate owners, the Alaska Native people who lived there. And so we decided to do is actually use one place and allow the visitor to experience a cannery by going building by building. Katie Ringsmuth of Mug Up. We have a complete full season ahead. We've been eagerly awaiting this. Not only are we back with the full season, but it's our 60th anniversary season. That was Charlotte Truitt, Juno Symphony's executive director. Truitt and Christopher Cook, musical director, joined Dano on Capital Chat to talk about the symphony's full season. Truitt gave an upcoming overview. This year is unique that we start with the gala, and then the very next week, October 22nd and 3rd, is our first main stage concert back of the season. So we have five main stage concerts this year. We have an October concert. We have our holiday cheer concert coming up the second weekend in December. Then we follow that in uh, January, like in the middle of the winter when we all need a little pick-me-up. We have the final weekend in in January we have a concert. And then in April, the first weekend we have a concert, and then we wrap it all up in June with our Pops concert. Talked about what kind of performances Juno can expect for the theme this year. It's going to be an epic celebration of the Juno Symphony. And that what that means is just about everything we're doing is, is a little bit over the top. It's over the top in the, the kind of the scope of the pieces. We're playing some of the most spectacular pieces in the orchestral literature. We're bringing lots of new stuff to our Juno audience, both in terms of just masterpieces that people just haven't heard played here to new pieces that have never been played here and spectacular guest artists. We have two jazz artists joining us uh, 
this October uh, for a piece that's basically as close to a rock concert and a symphony uh, symphony event that you're ever going to get. And we're ending the season with the principal cellist uh, of the L.A. Phil, Robert Demain, who's coming in to play the, the Dvorak Cello Concerto, which is just one of those phenomenal pieces. There is viscous oil in place of up to 12 billion barrels. That was Governor Mike Dunleavy last week. Research conducted by the University of Alaska is showing potential for commercial production of billions of barrels of heavy oil under existing fields on the North Slope. Dunleavy explained the importance of oil in the state. You know, the great importance uh, to our state and our nation's energy independence, obviously, is oil. Um, A lot of discussion about oil in the press lately. And for Alaska, it's always been a discussion about oil for the past several decades. It's what's helped transform the state, and it's what's going to help keep transforming the state as time goes on. The governor said the war in Ukraine and the Biden administration are affecting the price and selling of oil. Unfortunately, um, oil is uh, becoming more and more difficult to, um, to bring to market because of a whole host of reasons. We've got some geopolitical issues happening across the world. We also have some changing attitudes and policies um, that are manifesting themselves uh, as policy coming out of places like Washington, D.C. Governor Dunleavy. Public comment period on where new recreational cabins in Southeast should go is open. The U.S. Forest Service is seeking comment after receiving $14.4 million in federal funding for new cabins as well as repairs to existing cabins throughout Southeast. The money is through the bipartisan infrastructure bill. The Forest Service is taking comments on more than 50 potential projects within the Tongass and the Chugach Forests until the 31st of this month. James King, Forest Service's Alaska Region Director of Recreation, Lands and Minerals, spoke to the process while on Action Line. The districts responded back to us in the regional office with a little over 50 proposals. So those proposals are all on the website that you're looking at. And we're asking for the public to weigh in on those. Where do they think, um, after these proposals have been put together, where would they like to see cabins within those proposals. King says they hope to source local materials to build the cabins. We're just starting to go through that process to figure out how best to get these constructed. But where feasible, we really want to use local wood from local mills. We want to use local contractors, workforce development. It's around economy. This is an opportunity both to build the local economy for the construction of these cabins, uh, and we want to do that as much as we can. King says construction could start as early as next year. Juno Ranger District Recreation Lead Pete Schneider spoke to the use the existing cabin C. We had uh, Dan Moeller typically as our most reserved cabin, but our big three, Dan Moeller, John Muir, and Windfall, and those cabins all range in 330 to 340, 45 days of rented use a year. It's just incredible. This year, it's real similar. It's over 300 days on average for some of those big cabins. A little less for some of the other cabins that are a little harder to get to, but uh, the, the, the concept is, the, the point is, is that it's an amazing amount of use. And, of course, we're hearing that some of our some of our partner agencies, the state and the cities, uh, some of those other cabins that they've built, they, you can't even get them. And everybody realizes that uh, it's we all share the same the same frustration. But it's a good. It, it means they're getting used, which is great. And it also gives us more confidence that there's a, there's a need for more cabins. Comments are being taken via the Forest Service's website until October 31st. 
The Southeast Alaska Land Trust has announced the recent acquisition and conservation of 14 acres of wetlands adjacent to the Mendenhall Wetland State Game Refuge. The, the conservation property is on North Douglas Island at Hendrickson Point. The property is adjacent to a 108-acre city and borough of Juneau conservation area, the Trust's Grummet Wetlands Conservation Property, and the Refuge. The Trust said the acquisition of the parcel expands upon three established conservation areas to preserve an important wildlife corridor for deer, bear, and other wildlife. They further said the new conservation property represents some of the last undeveloped, privately owned wetlands along the shoreline of the refuge. It provides habitat for deer, black bear, and hundreds of species of native and migratory birds. Commissioner of the Alaska Department of Health and Safety, Adam Crum, provided a heads-up to Alaskans about Red Ribbon Week later this month. The Red Ribbon Campaign is a drug abuse prevention campaign. Red Ribbon Week is coming up, and that is October 23rd to the 31st. And so this is an important aspect that we want to make sure people are aware of. There's going to be a lot of communication we're sending out through the month of October um, about fentanyl, about community alerts. This is information we're going to push out through the Office of School Health and Safety so parents and community members see this. And we've got Halloween season coming up. And so we want parents and kids to be aware of what is going on. We don't know of any real risk. We just want to be aware about what is going on and making sure that it is candy right, if they're going to ingest it, just to make sure you're doing this. this is the standard. If you're a parent, make sure you're looking at the, the safety of what your kids are ingesting. Never miss a story or a newscast at KINYradio.com. Now you're up to date. For News of the North, this is Kevin Allen.